your wife has ever said, come move this transmission so I can take a bath. <laughs> you might be a Ron and Anian. I thought of Jeff Foxworthy this week. You know, he does the You Might Be a Redneck If. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to get together with Jeff and do something on the lines of you might not be taking care of your car properly if. He's a high-tech redneck. If you've ever cut your grass and found a car, <laughs> you might be the car doctor. And I think I would answer that as you walk into a repair shop and your oil change sticker says June and it's January. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Once again, 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. I am happy to see the one and only no baloney, never imitated, never duplicated. Anthony is on the other side of the glass today. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. How you how you doing? Oh, good. We missed you last week. Tom missed you was, too. Tom was. I'm um, glad to see everything is working now. Is there any coincidence that everything is working today, including the phones? No, uh, no, no. I mean, things happen. Things happen. So we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna bash Mr. Tom Ray, my yeah. good friend. Okay? Mr. Tom Ray was busy last week, and, yes. and I got to tell you, the, the, in all seriousness, the real joke of it all was last week. Tom and I looked at each other. We were on air. And the phones died, right? The, the provider was having a problem. I said to Tom, I said, watch, the minute we come off air, they're going to start working. It was 4.02 Eastern time, the phone rang. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. We both looked at each other and we said, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. You but, know, but here's the good news. Yeah. I think actually they were doing an upgrade and they didn't tell anybody because when I dialed the number you know, before the show, it immediately went through. It normally rings twice before it hits the studio here. Huh, so maybe they made some changes. Well, maybe it's, we're not just getting older, we're getting better here on The Car Doctor, um, as well as the providers that that, uh, we surround ourselves with. So, listen, I had a bunch of things to talk about in the opening conversation here, but, you know, I want to get to this first call before the phones drop out, in case they do, because he's calling long distance, Walter from Hawaii, who's getting to be my, my Western sidekick here. Walt, how are you today, babe? I'm good. Aloha, Ron. Thank you, sir. Um, so listen, let's ask the serious question first. Uh, you know, maybe this isn't, it's got to be pretty appropriate. What was it like when they sent out the missile warning? It was scary. Yeah. Did you did you take it for real? Yeah, it, it, no, I didn't. But, but unfortunately, my one of my daughters really panicked. She called me up and she had her and my grandson under the mattress under their house. And she was crying. And, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it really... Uh, I guess I'm old enough to think that, oh, well, time's up. (laughs) (laughs) But but fortunately for them, that wasn't the case. So I didn't really, uh, I I really didn't believe it. For no other reason, why would they shoot Maui? I mean, we have no military here. Right. They'd shoot Honolulu, Oahu. You know, that's where all the military is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, of course, uh, that's assuming they're a good shot, which is probably not a good assumption. <laughs> well, yeah, on that note, right, you know, what's their aim like? Because they are so far away. But you yeah. notice it, it exactly. It, it, it had to be a scary moment, Walter, but I guess that's a sign of the times we live in, right? 
exactly. So, uh, you know, the, the, the scariest, the, 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 the biggest problem, in my opinion, was that they weren't able to resend it as quickly as they could send it. Right. Uh, right. I was talking to Tom when I just called in. He said, you know, if they could send it out, they could send out another one saying that it was a false alarm. But it took them almost 40 minutes to, to get the official, we're not going to blow up out. Right. And the missile only takes 15 minutes to get here. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess, well, then, so maybe after the first 15 minutes passed, somebody said, wait a minute now, this can't be right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, well, we're, we're, it we're, we're been a slow missile, though. You know. Yeah. We're, we're glad. Anyway. You, of course, you know, if we wanted to, we could torture people and walk by them with a bright flashlight and scare them. But you know, just but that's yeah. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, it would have, it, you know, there was a lot of residual scaredness going on. Yeah, I bet. I bet. You know, it's um, it's a tough deal. But listen, we're glad you're okay. All seriousness. Um, by Thank the you. way. Uh, and Walter had won a scan tool for Christmas. Santa Claus left Walter a scan tool. You know, I got to tell you, just that I sent you a tracking number this morning. I don't know if you saw the email, but yes, I did. Okay, so I don't know if you can catch that. I don't know if it's on its way back already, or if it can be recalled, or because it's it's there as of yesterday somewhere. And I, I sent. Yeah, the, I, I I followed the tracking number and got the same information you did. I immediately called uh, the post office, which you can only find an 800 number. There's no local number. Right. And I talked to the person that was right on top of the situation in Pakistan or someplace. Right. Yeah, well. And uh, they referred me to Sierra Lanka. And, and uh, I, I'm going to drive down there after I get off the phone and see. There's probably nobody there because it's Saturday. But yeah. uh, I cannot, you know, I'm retired. I'm home every day. Yeah, know? that's what I didn't understand. So well, How could it not be delivered? Well, when it, when, it, when it gets back to New Jersey, I'll send it over by missile. So the next missile warning, you'll know what's coming over. Um, but it'll be a friendly. Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. It'll be, it'll be a friendly, I, well, Walt. I tell you, you are just so uh, considerate. Well, that's because I love you to death, brother. Um, now, yeah, you must, it must be that connection with Santa that you yeah, have. Yeah, you know, so it's, um, I know a guy. Everybody in New Jersey knows a guy. That's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, it's, you know a guy. That's the way it works. Um, so yeah. we look yeah. at this. We, here we look at the Sopranos as home movies. So, um, but anyway. <laughs> I love that series, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, enough. How can I help you in your car today, Walter? What's going on? Okay. We're going to start out with a 2005 Mitsubishi Lancer. Okay. 2.2-liter uh, engine, single right. overhead cam. Uh, I'll give you the codes real quick. Uh, PO300, random multiple cylinder misfire. Right. Uh, PO335, crank sensor. PO345, cam sensor. Right. Uh, okay. The car will not do anything but idle. It starts, no problem. Idles perfectly, but you cannot. Ex- it, the RPM cannot be raised by pushing the gas pedal or doing anything else. Throttle cables connected and hooked up moves freely. Uh, it started out when the transmission wouldn't shift uh, from first gear to second, except at a very, very high RPM. And then it would work for a little while, and then it would go back to having no power. Right now, it will start, run, but you cannot increase the RPM or accelerate in any way, and, and, and it won't move in any gear. And, and, and what happens when you go to accelerate, when you go to accelerate, um, or you know, when, you, when you just go to accelerate, does it just die out, or will it just stay stuck at idle? Stay stuck at idle. So it never increases RPM? Never. As you're opening the throttle plate? Right. I can open the throttle plate manually, and it may increase, you know, 15 or 20 RPM. It sounds like maybe a little bit, but it does not, you know, accelerate. Okay. Any kind of testing done? Any kind of diagnosis? Uh, other than the codes that I just gave you, no. Yeah. 
Um, uh, you don't have the ability to pull fuel pressure on this by chance, do you, Walt? Yes, I do. I have a fuel pressure. I'd be I'd be curious to know what fuel pressure is. Is it is it is it at spec and and I guess the question here is I'm going to ask you for a seat of the pants diagnosis. Does it feel like it's starving for fuel or is it just it feels like something else? It feels as if um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, that's why. And that's and here's and here it, go. It feels like you know that nothing. It's not nothing's. It, if the throttle cable were broke. Right. That's what it feels like. Okay. You know, it's, hey, everything's fine, but it just won't accelerate. And and here's the argument for this is why I want to know what fuel pressure is, because it takes it off the table. If, if if spec is, and I think it's 35 to 40 PSI, if I were to guess okay. uh, from memory. So, you know, if fuel pressure is 38 pounds all day long, we know it's not fuel pump related. If, if, if the fuel pump's running at 25 pounds and I've got, I'm supposed to be 35, 40 well, then I got a pretty good bet on where I'm going to look. Um, the other thing I want to think about is, you know, could I have a bad mass airflow sensor fault or a bad mass airflow or mass, mass airflow sensor fault? Here's where looking at uh, calculated load or some sort of readout on a scan tool would help. Uh, you know, I would also like to clear all the codes, write them down just for memory's sake, and clear them what what comes back, if anything. All right? Okay, I did that, and nothing has come back, but... You know, okay. I've only let it run for 10 or 15 minutes, or right. not even that long, 10 right. minutes maybe. And, and you probably can't really get it to um, uh, set because it's probably not moving down the road. If you put it in gear, exactly. if you put it in gear, do you feel it, you know, bang like it's going into first gear, like it's going into yeah. drive? So it, yes, will you can it, feel it. In, it, it says, you know, it, you can tell that it, it actually goes into gear. Right. It, the RPM decreases a tiny bit when you put it in gear. Does it does it creep forward like it's, you know, if it had, if you no. could accelerate it, would it, would it, would it move forward uh, in gear? No. At all? No. Um, it, it would not. It just sits there, and you could tell it decreased the RPM a little bit, but uh, no matter what you do, it doesn't feel like it wants to move. What about reverse? Same. Okay. Stupid question. The the parking brake can't be rusted and locked on, is it? No, because uh, we pushed it into the garage. Okay. So did this car die on the road, or how did this car How did this come to be? Was it traveling down the road at 40 miles an hour, and it just kind of did this thing? or? Well, from a stop, uh, it wouldn't shift out of first gear um, until it uh, – you know, the RPM went way, way up above what it would normally. Then it worked normally for four or five miles, and then it lost all power again, stopped, same thing, and then got ready to leave them uh, where it was parked then, and it's in the state it is now. Okay. And then the, only, the, the other thing I'm thinking about is what about the possibility of restricted exhaust? Just to go back to real That's basics. Possibility. You know, how about we do a manifold vacuum test, see what manifold vacuum is, and then... Okay, I've got a vacuum, so I can do that. Yeah, we can look at that. Um, if if And I'm just trying to decide how valid the codes are. Do you know if the yeah. person was driving around with the check engine light on for a while, and then all of a sudden the car got to the point where it wouldn't run, or did it not running or having its lack of power create... You know, what what came first, the condition or the code? You know, which the condition then the codes, the condition then the codes. at least the condition in the check engine light, right? Because right. I was told that not only will it not move, the check engine light came on. Okay, so the check engine light was not on prior to it not moving, 
Correct. All right. Correct. Well, we got to start with basics. Listen, in park, an engine doesn't know whether it's in park or in in, in gear. It's got to rev up. Okay. Yeah. So before we start, you know, thinking about the transmission and it wouldn't shift out of first and the you know stuck in first and the hard shift and all that, uh, we've it's got to rev up. It's got to go somewhere. All right. If if I were looking at this from a 345 or a 335 crank sensor fault, I would also start to think about, is the timing belt got some stretch in it, or has it jumped a tooth? Although, theoretically, jumping a tooth should produce um, some engine problems, mechanically. Mm-hmm. All right? So, yeah, it's got 200,000 miles on it, so I don't know how old the timing belt is, or even okay. if it's a belt or a chain. Uh, it should, I believe it's a belt and a 2-liter. Yeah. So so let's do this. Let's get some fuel pressure. Let's find out what that is. Let's look at manifold vacuum. Let's look at the timing belt. Make sure the marks are lined up, and let's talk next week, and maybe you'll have a scan tool by then. I, I certainly hope so. Okay. I, I can get the codes, but that's it. Yeah. No, it's, and here, here's the perfect example of why Santa sent you a scan tool, brother. So, all right, Walter. Okay, Rod. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hang up and I'm gonna drive over to the post office right. to find out nobody's there because it's Saturday. But we'll find out what happens. Yeah, keep us keep us posted on the emails and let's find out. Let's make sure it's the right address, which I'm thinking it was. I did it verbatim from your email, so I don't know yeah. where they were and trying I, to deliver it. And I think I, even though I'm old, I think I know my address still. Well, it's you know, it's I would hope so, Walter. Your problem um, that can become. You're you're a pretty smart guy. You got a good memory. You you, you haven't forgotten me yet. So um, well, who's this? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Walter, be good, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care. 855-560-9900. We have to go to Hawaii and see Walter. We really do. I'm Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie the car doctor. Just uh, and I appreciate you guys having the patience. It's it's we have a lot of fun with Walt from Hawaii. Let me let me let me fill you in on the backstory. There, uh, Walter does a lot of good out there. He's an older guy. He's retired. He's he's uh, fixing cars now as a as sort of a hobby. Walter didn't do it for a living, and he's learning about fixing cars. And he actually takes people's cars in and fixes them for no charge, just trying to be a good neighbor and uh, move the needle forward. So uh, we 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 really commend him for that. And. Uh, we like talking to Walter. He's a, he's a fun guy. He's out there doing the deed, and, um, you know, it's nice to see. Uh, a couple of things that went on at the shop this week. I just wanted to touch base on this and, and, and let you know what, what's going on in the world. Uh, a couple of things, it, it, just, just of interest. You know, we, we always talk about how to diagnose a, uh, an electrical problem or a check engine light or a, a, a brake pull. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're complicated things, Okay. How to diagnose a curb slide this week? What's a curb slide? The uh, the person was driving and they were going downhill and they hit a patch of black ice and the 2015 Ford Escape swung around the wrong way and it careened right into the curb and took out the left front wheel. So, you know, how do you diagnose that? Do you just assume everything is bad? And, you know, there is a procedure to do this. And as a matter of fact, I shot a, a real quick little video, not on the repair, because I think I think you've seen how to take a control arm in and out or how to do a wheel bearing and some of the things that were repaired and replaced. I don't think you've had anybody explain to you what you're looking for, all right? And when I talk about being an automotive detective, this is really where it starts, or this is one of the things I always think about. You know, when you're when you're looking for a curb slide, and in in David's case, this escape, you would he he started driving afterwards, and it was kalump, kalump, kalump. Steering wheel was straight, but there was something definitely out. All right, 
put the car up in the air, had the car towed in, put the car up in the air. And the first thing that was the most obvious was the lower control arm on the driver's side was bent. It looked like a pretzel. It just, you know, it took the shot and it folded. And it's funny because you look at the recess on the control arm and you almost think that that's, they designed it that way. That was the crash point. That was the moment where they knew it was going to fail. But it was the other things that I saw or didn't see. You're looking for rust blisters, all right? You're looking to see, is there a discoloration anywhere, uh, for example, in the steering knuckle, the piece that houses the wheel bearing? And underneath the rotor, once I took the rotor off and looked, you could see that there was a slight discoloration on one side of the housing, like the bearing had taken a shot. And that's typical of what you'll see. The knuckle itself appeared okay. I didn't see any issues there, but... uh, For lack of a better way to put it, it became a control arm, a bearing, and a hub. Now, let me tell you why it's important to do the wheel bearing. That vehicle took a lateral hit. It basically, if you stick your arm straight out and make a fist and run into the wall sideways like that, it's the amount of force that your shoulder pushes into your shoulder socket. It's It's a lateral hit like that. Wheel bearings aren't designed to take that kind of abuse. A wheel bearing is designed to go down the road and take a shot from a pothole front on. Think about how the tire rolls down the road, the face of the tread making contact. So to avoid the problem two or three months later, and that's typically what I've seen, a lot of others have, in terms of bearing noise, change the wheel bearing now. It's a part, it's quicker, it's cleaner, it's easier. Not to mention you're going to do a wheel alignment, which we did, and you don't have to go through and do it again in a couple of months. So, point being, sometimes being an automotive detective, you know, you've got to look. It's the little things. You're looking for little clues along the way. And keep in mind, if you're looking at a curb slide like that, if you want to know what it's supposed to look like, the curve, the bend, how it fits, look at the other side of the vehicle because that's where everything is, quote-unquote, still intact. Just some tips to go by and uh, working in the shop. I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Car Doctor, we are back. Let's get over and talk to you. Write it on the wall so you don't forget. Hey, we're back. Look at that. Uh, what happened there, Tone? I think we had a misfire. That's okay. Um, it happens. Guess what? Let's go over and talk to Bob in uh, Maine. Bob, you there, sir? Yeah, hi there, Ron. How hey are there. you? How are you, sir? What's going on? Good. Hey, I've got a 2001 Dodge 2500 360 V8 automatic transmission. Okay. I use it as a plow truck for plowing the incredible snow we've got so far this year. Right. Um, I always plow in low range. I've had to have the pl- the uh, transmission rebuilt once because it went to crap. It's got 90,000 miles on it. Okay. And now it's probably got 6,000 since the rebuild. But before the rebuild, it felt mushy. After the rebuild, it's nothing like the transmissions I've had in my Fords and GMCs. What I'm kind of wondering is, if I get it rebuilt again, do they make better parts, heavy-duty parts, to put in these things than the original? I don't know if they make it for the original, and I don't know if they make it for that particular vehicle. Um, There are clearly some applications out there. There's some performance transits or heavy-duty 
um, uh, you know, applications. I, I think it also depends on the guy building it. All right. You know, okay. to, to me, building a trans, and I'm not picking on the guy that did the trans, it might be a quote unquote commercially acceptable rebuild. Right. You know, clutches, seals, you know, hard parts, whatever it needs, it works. It, it moves in the, you know, moves forward in its gears, it moves backwards, it parks, it, it does what it's supposed to do. And, you know, it's a lot like finding a guy that does engine work and rebuilds engines. There are guys that can, you know, make all the parts fit, the connecting rod bearings and the crank and the main and, you know, the rods and the pistons and the rings, and you get it, and they can assemble it, and right. it runs, but then there's a guy who can assemble it and make it sing. And, you know, maybe right. maybe that's more what you're looking for, somebody that can either tune what you've got or modify it a little bit or put better parts in it. I would think the heavier-duty parts are going to be part of the longevity idea, and, okay. you know, the other stuff is going to come down to just how well it all works together. Um, right. It, you know. it, it works now. You know, right. I'm, I'm not about to tear it out and change it now. But if it went the heck again, uh, I'm just kind of curious if it could make it better. Yeah. I mean, because there's, al- there's the always... the price of rebuilding a transmission, you're not going to get a decent truck to plow your snow with. Right. Now, you say you plow in low range. You mean you put the transfer case in low. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because the mechanical advantage is then in the transfer case, not on the trans. You know, right. um, yeah, and I, I, I think it's that. Listen, I'm going through the same thing. Believe it or not, the the family suburban uh, uh, puked the trans at 56,000 miles, and uh, yeah, just just died this week. Finally, set a P0894, <laughs> and when I looked at it, the converter was slipping. So, uh, you, you know, that's that's an issue. So that's going to get a trans, and you sit there and you say, why? You know, here's the most babied vehicle on the planet. Trust me when I tell you. And <laughs> you know, I don't care that it's 15 years old. It. it it, you know, it just it boggles my mind. So I'm I'm looking at you know instead of rebuilding it and putting in just basic parts, can I, can I tweak it a little bit? Can I make it better? Right. Um, right. You know. And yeah, I like this truck here, and that's probably right. why I've still got it. But, well, uh, you know, you know like, I I think in a plow truck application, I you know for and for what you're doing with it, you know what are you going to do? You're going to spend thirty five forty thousand dollars to go plow snow. Yeah, well, it'll cost that much to hire somebody to do it. Almost. Right. So you might as well you might as well fix what you've got. If if right. you know if if you were using it for work every day or something like that, I'd say yeah, go buy a new vehicle. But to go beat it up in all kinds of crazy weather, you're probably just plowing. Are you just plowing your own stuff, or are you doing it commercially? Yeah, I only do my own stuff. Yeah. We, it, the camp up there, we got a tenth of a mile driveway, so. Yeah, I yeah. plow that myself. Yeah. So, you know, for that application and stuff, I think it just kind of makes sense. Absolutely. All right. So, well, thanks, Ron. Right, Appreciate sir. it. You're very welcome. You have a good rest of the day. Um, you too. Yeah, Bye. It's, uh, you're welcome. Plow, plow vehicles are tough. Um, uh, they really are. Let's do a real quick piece of email. Now, I thought this was, well, this wasn't an email. This is actually a real fix. I'm sorry. This is a real fix from the folks over at Mitchell, uh, Mitchell One, and um, it's interesting. They sent out, they send out a, um, you know, a real fix email every every other week, uh, talking about real car repairs. And I read as many of them as I can, and um, it goes like this. Blows a real fix from Mitchell One's new Trek expert information source. Uh, what's the rub? It starts out. Having your car out of alignment can cause many issues, one of which is tire contact with the body. Follow this real fix to see how a rubbing sound was diagnosed and corrected on this Volvo S90. The vehicle is a 1998 Volvo S90 with a 2.9 liter. And the complaint was that there's a rubbing noise heard from the vehicle. 
So the technician confirmed the complaint. Obviously, you know, what's the problem? Is it really there? And heard a rubbing noise. They did a road test, and when they made a hard left or right turn, they heard this rub. Put the vehicle up in the air, looked at the front suspension and tires for wear and loose parts, and found no faults. Looked at the inner fenders and found signs of contact with the tires. With the vehicle on an alignment machine, they turned the wheels from lock to lock and found that the tires made contact with the inner fenders. They performed a four-wheel alignment. And after correcting the toe setting, turned the wheels from lock to lock and found the tires did not contact the fenders. Um, and the correction was after adjusting the toe setting, aligned the wheels, verified the vehicle operated properly, the customer's concern didn't return. A, a couple of things there. Number one, it's it's just nice that the folks at Mitchell do this because they're 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 helping technicians build and they've got one of their own and helping technicians build some confidence. They can look up a pattern failure and you know see what um, see what that problem might be. That's one of the nice things they do uh, when you're using ProDemand, ProDemand.com. But the other factor here is look at how fussy cars are getting, right? Did you ever think the day would come when you saw that if it was out of alignment, not visually to the eye, but visually to the machine, that the tire would rub the wheel well? And that just goes to show you how tight of a package everything is in terms of the tires fitting to the body, the body to the chassis, and so forth, that uh, the car really is one package, and we have to think of it that way in order to, you know, uh, repair it and in order to own it and maintain it. So, um, you know, thanks again to the folks over at Mitchell. More information at ProDemand.com. 855-560-9900. I'm running Annie and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. It's the little only from Pasadena. I'm Nanny, the car doctor. The phone number here is 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24-7 number, so it doesn't matter where you are or when you're affiliate or however you're listening to this show. If you want to talk to us live, 855-560-9900. Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. As we're out of the West Coast, and we or out of the East Coast, and we start all the way across to the West. Um, but you can call that 855-560-9900. Leave a message, and Tom Ray, our producer, will call you back and put you in the queue. Let's go over and talk to Yosef in Kansas. What's going on in Kansas today? Hey, what's going on, Ron? Uh, you know, so it's uh, you know, it's a typical Saturday afternoon here. So what's doing with you? How's things out Kansas way? Uh, beautiful as always. Yeah. So uh, I was going to talk to you about. Um, I recently came across an article. Uh, I don't know if it was on USA Today or whatever regarding the Tesla semi trucks. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to know what you thought about them. I think they're going to become part of the landscape. I think I think they're going to be around. And, and for everyone else, what Yosef's referring to is Tesla's now uh, got self driving eighteen wheelers. Right, this is what we're talking about. Uh, exactly right, and you know they're 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 going to be in use, or they are in use, right? What did the article say? I read this a couple of months ago. They're in use now in Nevada or Arizona in the in the western states. If, I believe so. Yeah, and I, you know, listen, I'm not a trucker, so I'm probably not really qualified to speak on it. But from my perspective as a civilian, per se, I like the idea that their, their, their travel limit is 500 miles and then they've got to be recharged, forcing the driver to pull over and you know, get some rest because 500 miles behind the road. Uh, where, where I see it's a problem and I can hear everybody screaming about it, is the guy that wants to go six or 700 miles trying to make time to make a living. And I totally get that. He, you know, he's going to be limited and cut back. You know, I just I wonder if and I didn't see any mention of it in the article. Will there be a tax advantage 
to driving an 18-wheeler autonomous electric vehicle um, or operating, I should say, not driving because you're not going to drive it. Um, you know, how is that How is that going to play into effect? Um, because my understanding is some of the times this vehicle can be self-driving and some of the times this can be, you know, operator-driven. Um, is that the same article you read? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, listen, it's coming. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. We were talking about it yesterday at the shop. Danny, my mechanic, has a friend, John. John has a late model Dodge Challenger, uh, Challenger Charger, one of the you know one of the Chrysler muscle cars. And he was all upset Thursday night because he was out somewhere on some highway and they were pulling away from uh, you know a, a shoulder or something, and he got absolutely smoked by a Tesla. And he he, wow. he 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 couldn't understand how this you know this this Chrysler muscle car got got beaten every aspect of it by a by an electric car as he put it a, a battery operated kids car and my answer was because it's not a battery operated kids car the Teslas are really fast um, they've they've really got some scary performance it's it, it really is true it's just you well, know, and I've seen where they're looking at making convertibles too. Yeah. Yep. It's it. I'm sorry, but it's going to be like Star Trek here before you know it. Well, it is like Star Trek. You know, it's 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 it's. We are seeing the changes. The question is, how will we accept it? You, you know, and I've said this for years. I I think. And it just goes to show you the depth of what the automobile means and the industry means to the to the country, to the economy, to the world. You know, imagine tomorrow if all of a sudden we don't need 50% of the gasoline and the oil that we're consuming and using now. Think, right. of what, think of what that would do to the economy. Think of what that would do to the, you know, where's the, what's the real strength of the Middle East at that point? You know, if you notice, we don't seem to hear too much more, you know, about we're running out of oil. They don't talk about that anymore, right? Uh, you know, no. whether, whether, and I'm not here to debate whether it was true or not. I've got my own belief system on that, but that's not what's important. But if you notice, it's it's more about now how there's a glut of oil, there's a glut of gasoline. Um, you know, of course, gasoline now is traded on the market, and it's 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 affecting. Of course, health. my question for you is this: You know, if we were to produce these mass electric vehicles. Do you think all our health problems would go away, or do you think they would continue to rise? I don't know. I'm not an expert in that field, but I'll tell you this. I've been around long enough to know that whatever man is smart enough to correct to try and make it better for men themselves, man is also dumb enough to find another way to kill himself. So you know, well, and I've watched Apollo thirteen too, so right. which is yeah. a very good movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, um, I lived it. I was, um, I was, uh, I think I was all of uh, ten years old, eleven years old. No, I'm sorry, I was. I thought uh, you were twenty. No, how old is how old Apollo thirteen happened? What year? I'm trying to remember. Nineteen sixty nine, I believe. Yeah, nineteen sixty nine. I was twenty, right? I was thirteen years old. I thought you were twenty. No, no. Um, no, I was 13 years old when Apollo 13 happened. You're in denial, Ron. Uh, Tone, I'm telling you. Listen to me. Um, listen, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come over on the other side of that glass. I'll straighten you out in a minute. So I'm going to have you knock yourself out. Um, yeah, Apollo 13, I lived it. That was a real scary time. I remember that. Um, but my point is, you know, for every time we improve technology, 
we also find another way to do ourselves in. So we've got to get smarter all on all fronts and, um, you know, try and improve the world that we live in. That's just what's so gosh darn important. Um, and I say that with all seriousness. So, Yosef, i got to go. The clock's going to grab me. Anything else real quick? Uh, just to say hello to Tony and for me and hello to the Car Doctor Nation family, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, we're, we're honored to have you, brother. Um, and listen, uh, I listen to you guys on delayed podcast. I wish I could get a radio station down here to carry you guys. Yeah, we're down there in Kansas. We we do have a couple of radio stations down there in Kansas. We'll have to try and find out and talk about them on air. Um, so, but anyway, Yosef, I gotta go. I'm sorry, babe. I gotta cut you short. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron at the end of the car. Doctor. Let's do a quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, my 2009 Chevy pickup truck has developed a real nasty squeak in the driver's door hinge. I'd like to grease it, but I'm afraid to because I know grease is going to attract grit and create all kinds of problems. Can you tell me how you might solve it in your shop? I know the pins are good and the rollers work, so I'm just looking to grease it. What are your thoughts? Ray down in Hawaii. Look at that. Walt's got competition out there, Hawaii way. Uh, you know, listen, Ray, here's the deal. All right, you're right. Spraying a, a, a vehicle hinge with a grease per se can create problems because it does it attracts grit and the contaminant in the air so what we use in the shop is something from a company called blaster you can find more information out online at blastercorp.com they actually make pb blaster which is one of the penetrants we use in the shop works very very well um it's got a i don't know it's got a fizz to it that seems to you know wake the rust up and dissolve it away but that's that's another kind of uh chemical what we're talking about now is their dry lubricant they make a graphite dry lubricant that works really well and the key here is that it's a lubricant but it's dry so it tends not to attract the grit so you can spray the hinge in the roller area all right and you won't you know trap any contaminant in there which the problem there becomes the contaminant or the grit in a grease tends to grind away over time and, and, and wear the component out, whereas using a graphite, a dry lubricant such as that from Blaster um, will not do that. It, 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 it prevents that from happening, and it'll actually prevent it from wearing out because it lubricates, but it's not a wet type of grease. Um, so, you know, get out to BlasterCorp.com. You can take a look. They've got a bunch of really great products out there. Also, they've got everything from garage door lubricants, chain and cable lubricants. I like these guys because... They tend to make something specific for just about every kind of different job you're trying to do. They they really think about it, and they gear the product line towards specific applications. Very, very important. BlasterCorp.com, and of course, you can find any of their fine chemicals and products, as well as many, many other things over at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get out to O'ReillyAuto.com, and uh, you can pick it up online. That about does it for this hour. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor, reminding you once again that good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.